Travis Live can be. Um, hello, everybody. Mike Mills with Verity Mortgage here today. Um, this is my 45th episode of the Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast. And um, if you guys are uh, needing anybody to prequal buyers or looking to refinance, please give me a call. Other than that, we'll just move right on to it. So today I'm welcoming a good friend of mine, uh, Manny Martinez, and um, he is a realtor and a jujitsu instructor. So um, we are definitely going to have a great conversation today. And if you are into self-defense and if you're out showing houses by yourself all the time, this is certainly going to be one you're going to want to turn in. Uh, excuse me, I can't talk today. This is going to be one you're going to want to tune into. So without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Manny. How you doing, sir? I even got, I even got uh, clapping for awesome. you. You like that? Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> I like how you plug yourself before the, the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to get, yeah, I gotta so get that in there first. Right there. Yes, that's a very important part of it. You know, otherwise, what am I doing this for, right? Somebody somebody called me with a buyer. So that's what we're looking for. Um, so thanks for coming in, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, awesome. Thanks for having me. So many of I've, and I have worked and I have worked together in the past. And um, we are, uh, you know, he just recently opened his own uh, jujitsu studio. And you know, everything I do on the podcast, I try as much as possible to gear it towards um, things that help realtors out. And especially these days, because, you know, you're out there showing houses by yourself. Um, you're hosting open houses by yourself, having strangers come in and you just kind of have to assume that everybody's, you know, got their best, got your best interests in mind when they show up. And that's not always the case. So um, I wanted to bring Manny in here, you know, obviously talk a little bit about real estate, but also to talk about um you know, what he does as an instructor for jujitsu and how it can relate to people learning self-defense, uh, especially agents to make sure that they're, they feel safe when they're out there, you know, doing all this stuff alone. So, um, to start with, um, you were in the military, right? Yeah. I spent, uh, 10 years in the army. Yes. So, and you were, uh, I think you get to Sergeant, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So how, how'd you get going down that path? Um, I just needed something to do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I, I was just, you know, uh, basic, basically just work and doing nothing. And I was right. like, man, I really need, I really need some direction in my life. I decided to just join up and how old were you? When I was 21, when I, joined. okay. So it was, yeah. it was a little bit after high school then. Yeah. It was a little while. I was already, like I said, I've been working for a few years yeah. and, uh, I was just kind of hanging out and my brother was actually in the Marine Corps. Okay. He'd done a few uh, tours in Iraq in like that initial period. So like in 2003 in the invasion. Yeah. And I was like, man, I really need to make my own path as well. Mm-hmm. And I decided like I was going to go and, join the military. And so obviously that experience is going to change you. There's no doubt. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. what do you think are some of the things that you took away from that, that have helped you with everything else in your life? You know, yeah. because you develop certain qualities and traits in a situation like that, that, you know, somebody that hasn't gone through that doesn't necessarily know or understand, but I don't think maybe everybody always realizes that there's a lot of things that you develop in the military that carry on to every other you know, aspect of your life. So what's some of the stuff that you think you picked up that's really kind of helped you through everything else? Uh, I think most importantly is resilience. Okay. Um, cause one thing that the military will teach you is like, uh, you could just take your loss and go about your day. Like right. I, I'm just saying, cause you're, there's a lot of times where you will go through the ringer they'll, and then you, re, you have to, at the end of the day, you're going to be okay. Right. Like you'll be all right. Just keep going, keep chugging along. Right. There's no poor um, me. That's not yeah, allowed. Yeah. That's right? what I'm saying. You can't feel sorry for yourself for, yeah. for a second. Right. Um, and so I, I, I was able to carry that over also discipline, mm-hmm. obviously with the discipline, like mm-hmm. backwards planning, all of my stuff. So I still do that to this day. That's a skill that I picked up in the military. When you say backwards planning, what do you mean? Um, so let's say I, if, if I have something I have to do or somewhere I have to be, I'm like, okay, okay I got to be there at one o'clock 
Okay, that means I have to leave by twelve thirty. Okay, if I have to leave at twelve thirty, I get ready, to get at, ready 12. at twelve or whatever, okay. forty five, and I, you know, you backwards plan all the way up until like the day before. Gotcha, gotcha. So I do that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, so backwards planning. I didn't know that had a name for teach, it. Okay, yeah. I always yeah. do that. Anytime I have to go somewhere, I'm like, all right, I got to be there. I'm, I'm like mapping out the, the, you know, the yeah. get to the airport. What time we have to be there? Then I work all the way back to know and when I go. You have to give your buffer time, like okay, yes. in case I get traffic or right. whatever, and. Then, yeah, that's backwards planning, and they and they teach that. Um, that's something that I I still use today. Is um, you know, everything and I do everything is backwards do. planning. Yeah. So, um, so you're in the military for ten? Did you actually serve uh, active duty? Yeah, I was active. For yeah, 10 years. where uh, where where were you at? Um, well, uh, I was stationed up in Washington State at okay. Fort Lewis for about six years. Uh-huh. Uh, I did both of my deployments out of there. So I, I did a year in Iraq, and then I did a year in Afghanistan. Um, and then I went down to Fort Hood, Texas, which is now, I think it's Fort Cavazos now. They just changed the name. Um, oh yeah. I think I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they just changed the name. It was like a Confederate thing. How was your, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always yeah. got to, everybody gets upset yeah. about names and statues. Yeah. Um, what, uh, where was your, de- or, uh, how was your deployment? How, what was that like? Mm-hmm. Deployments. They're Deployments. Just, yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was funny too, cause I was a field, I was field artillery. So we were shooting like these howitzers. Um, and then my first deployment, we didn't do our job at all. Like they were, uh, just cause the howitzers were caused too much damage for mm-hmm. those like smaller, you know, Iraq is very compact, their right. cities. And, you know, <clears throat> so we couldn't use those howitzers. They're like, okay, well you're rifle platoons now. And so they put us in these up armored trucks and we're just patrolling. And, uh, I primarily worked like on the border of Iraq and Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were screening like all the people coming over from Iran, um, making sure they didn't know explosives, you know, right. looking for people who were like, um on the wanted list or whatnot. Right. We used to like a lot of the, there's, there's a technology we used to use, um, that would scan the iris of people's like, eyes. We would just scan them and it would pop up if they were like, on the list. list. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well this guy, we got to detain or whatever. And then <laughs> it's so crazy when you hear about technology stuff, because you, the government and what they have is so far ahead of yeah. what the general populace is aware of. Cause I mean, you're thinking like, what, yeah. this is 2000 something and you're, yeah, you're 2009 yeah. and they're scanning, uh, you know, retinas like just yeah. remotely. And well, we would sit them down. We'd pull them out and like, <clears throat> especially, uh, you know, the, like the what we say military age males, like 18 to 36. Right. So we, those people, those guys would have to sit them down and scan their retina or whatever. Um, and I say, yeah, the technology is up there, but I, I feel like, uh, especially with conspiracy theories, people kind of overestimate the government's ability. Because yeah. one, they don't talk to there's each more other. There's, yeah, there's that, a yeah. lot of incompetence in there. Yes. I mean, uh, and a lot of wasted uh, um, tax dollars. Yeah, so. the uh, a buddy of mine j- and I joke about it all the time about yeah. how this, you know, because um, I'm I'm into conspiracy theories. I love them. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, but more often than yeah. not, it's not that there's this cabal of people planning this massive thing. It's more just a series of incompetence that occurs yeah. with incentives in, involved to either get money or control or power or whatever, you know, yeah. the, there's always a direction that someone's trying to head. But at the end of the day, you know, most of the time it's, it's still stupid people running stuff. You know? yeah. There's a lot of mistakes that happen. That's, and when things go south, that's generally what it is. Um, so you get out of the military, come back, um, and then you got to go get a regular job, right? Yeah. So did you go right into real estate after that or did you do some things in between? No, I was lost for a little bit, okay. which most people are when yeah. they get out of the military, they're kind of like, cause it, it, anybody who serves, uh, uh, like an extended period of time on active duty, you know, 
you they tell you exactly where to be when to be there you're extremely you're structured your you day know is exactly yep. where you're supposed to be and where you lie in the hierarchy which in a way yeah. i've heard is kind of like a relief right to yeah. some extent because yeah. you're just like well i know what i'm going to do every single day so yeah. i don't ever have to worry about that i'm not picking out my clothes right i'm just throwing a uniform on right. i know when where i have to be when yeah. i have to be there what uniform i gotta wear yeah and uh so when you get out you're like i have no direction yeah and uh actually and i i feel like personally i think this is why a lot of um a lot of people kind of get lost and have, you know, uh, mental health issues and stuff because they, they have no purpose anymore. Right. It's really difficult to find yes. that purpose in their life. Absolutely. Um, well, that's the thing with, with, uh, older, older folks, right. Mm -hmm. Whenever, whenever you see people retire, right. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means when they stop working and they don't have a reason to get up every single day, you see their health just fall off a cliff yes. because yeah. it's like, you have to have a purpose to get up. And so even if you're not working in a traditional job, you know, you've got to have something that you're looking forward to get out of bed and go yeah. do every day. And if you don't, it messes with your mental and your physical body. And it can be anything. Yeah. I mean, oh, it yeah. can be a garden. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Whatever, whatever. It yeah, can just be something. Yeah. yeah, just just not a whole lot of nothing. So um, so you kind of meandered for a little bit and then figured you'd yeah. uh, dip your toe into real estate. Why did you decide that? Well, I, I was always interested. So I actually, uh, the story goes, when I was 19, before I even joined the army, uh, I went and signed up for my real estate, my fundamentals class. Okay. You know, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And I went and I, I think I attended like three or four classes and right. I never finished it. Right. So it was something that I wanted to do. I was in, very interested in it. Man, I wish I'd have gotten in that time, 2007. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was right before the crash, uh -huh. right before all that. So yeah. Um, but I never finished it. And then, um, when I got out, I was working like a security job overnight at a warehouse and i remember going around like doing a little door check and i got real depressed and i was like this sucks i was like i'm 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 doing nothing i'm right. this sucks i'm like anybody can do this like you can train anybody to do this yeah and i was like i need to i need to do something and i was like well i was always interested in real estate and um one i feel it's really beneficial just to understand that world even if you're not going to work in that that area yeah. like it's under it's beneficial for normal people everybody just to understand like what you need to be qualified for a loan like how how the industry works like because um i don't know it's just like i said it's always well something the I'm vast majority in. of yeah. millionaires in this country or billionaires they they all I, something like 90 percent of them have the vat most of their wealth in real estate yeah like that estate. it's it's it is the which is why it's depressing these days because home prices have gotten so far out of control as far as like the average first time yeah. home buyer to be able to afford something. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell all the time when I, I bought my first house was $130,000. This was in 2004. It was in uh, Arlington over off Shorewood drive to, you know, to, uh, 20 kind of 287 over there, right, right by the lake. Mm -hmm. It was in a really nice neighborhood about, I think it was like 17 or 1800 square feet. You know, I think my rate at the time was like six and a half percent, but that same house, I looked at it like two years ago, sold for like over $300,000. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I actually feel kind of bad when I work with a, new, a first time home buyer, uh, especially like a younger couple, younger family. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, dang it, man. I hate having to tell them like, you got to wait. Yes. Or like you, you need to save up some more money yep. or you, like, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Or, or, or they, they qualify for so little that I'm having to show them like these little rinky dink yep. like houses and not the best areas or whatnot. And I'm like, dang it, man, I feel terrible that they're having to settle for this. Uh, so well, yeah, it, it's really, it's really kind of gotten out of control the last, you know, well, the question I always, I always ask people when I'm pre-qualifying them is I'll say, okay, we, we go through the payments and, you know, kind of talk about what different components of the payment, what you can affect, what you can't. So they understand kind of how the payments put together, but then 
And then I'll ask them, I was like, you know, when you were thinking about buying a house, what's kind of your max level? Like what, what payment do you not want to exceed? You know, mm-hmm. like, and I ask it that way because we can always go down, but you know, it gives me kind of a starting point and it's like 95% of the people's answer. Yes. What do you think it is? Uh, don't want to go below. No, don't want to go above this number. What do you think? Probably two thousand. Two thousand dollars. That 2, is the. That say that's that's that is like right, where everybody says two thousand. Everybody yeah. says two thousand. That's yeah. the what is it the the is it not the prices right but Family Feud where they're like we've yeah. surveyed a hundred people. Yeah. What's the number two, one answer? Yeah, yeah that's it. And then when they when they put in the application that they were looking at a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and then I'm like, all right, so this is why we have to understand <laughs> yeah. why that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, you know, um, but it's hard and it's 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 a it's a sad state of affairs just because homeownership like we were talking about is the, the one of the few paths to wealth for most average Americans. You buy your house, you live in it for several years, you build equity in that home, then you can either sell it and upgrade to a bigger home or whatever. And then by the time, you know, the idea is like by the time you're in your sixties or seventies, you've either own your home outright or you have so yeah. much equity that it helps you with retirement or whatever the case may be. But, you know, now because we're delaying household formations, you know, people aren't even getting married and having kids till much later in life now. thirties. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that there's so few homes available for sale and, you know, every market's different. Real estate is very local in that, you know, the, the market in Chicago is very different from the market in Dallas, but here in this area, because there's so many people moving in and because did you know that in Tarrant County last year, half of the houses bought were bought by, not by huge, people i i absolutely hate that statistic i i hate that statistic so much the fact that there's like these huge corporate companies or corporations whatever they're buying up these houses yes. just just to put their park their money or just to rent, rent them out, out their cash know, flow for, yeah yeah and so i really i wish that there was some way we could put a stop to it like for definitely put it like no the, more. No there would more have to be some type of change. legislation they put in, but then it gets into yeah. the whole you're infringing on someone's ability yeah, to, know, you know, yeah. buy. I mean, it, but in, until they do something about it, that's just the situation that we're going to be in. And, you know, I saw something the other day, home builders, they're, they have slowed their building pace on single family residents. There's still a lot of apartment complexes and stuff being built, mm-hmm. but they slowed the single family residents and those, their profit margins are huge. Like they are way up. Yeah. So what they've done is they've shrunk the amount of homes they're building. Okay. Charge the same amount, even though cost of goods and everything has gone down and now they've expanded their profit margins and they're loving it. So there's no way they're They're, going back. They're building less and making more. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Because there's no incentive for them to build a cheaper home, you know, and that's unfortunately until things change. I mean, that's just what it is, but, but that's why, you know, it's, it's tough these days because real estate is such a path to wealth that people can't get to, you know, in, in a starting out stage that unless you have a family member that's willing to help you with cash or, you know, you just happen to make a really good income, you know, and have a low debt, it's, it's tough. And, um, you know, that's why I tell people all the time, they're like, what, you know, is now a good time to buy? I'm like, yesterday was the best time to buy because it just keeps getting more expensive. It doesn't change. So, um, all right, so let's get into why I really had you here into okay. this in this jujitsu piece. So tell me a little bit about how you got into. I know you told me before we started you wrestled in high school, yes. um, and I know from what I understand about the world, a lot of uh, former wrestlers that's kind of their general path is how they get into jujitsu because the yeah. very similar, you know, a lot of ways to it. Um, so how did you get started? And then you just opened your own. Uh, What's a, is it called a club? What are we? What's the right word for it? It's not uh, a dojo, right? I mean, it's or, a gym. Okay. But it's, we, I mean, it's Crusader Combat Club, but right. I, I just 
called Combat Club because we have a couple of different, you know. Oh, you have yeah, kickboxing, yeah, a few kickboxing, other things you do. mixed martial arts. We do some wrestling. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, so how'd you get going down there? So yeah, wrestled all okay. through high school. Um, and actually, I feel like that made me a little cocky because uh-huh. uh, I remember I wrestled and I was. Because now you know you can take good. people yeah, down. Yeah, good at wrestling. Yeah, scared you, know, you. Okay, yeah. and then. Um, and then I, I fell out of it. I really didn't do anything. I joined the army. I just got into working out basically to keep myself fit. So in the, the army, army, they didn't have, at, I guess at that time there wasn't much, because I think nowadays, don't they, isn't jujitsu kind of a pretty big role or a pretty big well, piece of the training that they do? Or is that my crazy? So the army has their own hand-to-hand fighting system. Okay. It's called the army combatives uh, program, the gotcha. modern army combatives program. Actually. Okay. Um, and that is very jujitsu heavy. There's a lot of jujitsu mixed into that. There's some Muay Thai, there's some wrestling, um, some traditional Western boxing. They, they encompassed a lot of different martial arts in order to build that. Uh, but when they first started it, it, it actually did derive from the Gracie jujitsu. They had some Rangers, some guys from Washington go down into California and train with, with the Gracies for like, uh, I think it was a year. I'm not sure of the time frame. They right. spent a lot of time down there just training with them specifically to design the combatives program for the army. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so that's how it started. Um, and Matt Larson is the guy who started the combatives program. Shout out to Matt Larson. Um, and so uh, after I got in the army, like I said, I was just kind of whatever working yeah. out. And then one day somebody, it was one of my good friends and I'm still friends with him now. He's a, he's a fellow black belt. He invited me to a jujitsu class when I got to Fort Hood, which is Fort Cavazos now. Right. Anyway, he was like, uh, hey, man, come try this out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And again, I had the little chip on my shoulder. Sure. I had done the the like the modern, like the the basic combatives program that right. they offer in the Army. And I did I did okay, though, because yeah. I had the wrestling background. Yeah. So, so you're feeling pretty good when like, you walk yeah, in the door. Okay, you're like, I'll, I'll go check it out. Show these guys yeah. what's up. Yeah. And um, I did okay the first, I think, the first night out of there. I was... There were other white belts, you know, other first beginners. Right. And, and I'm doing okay against the other white belts because I'm taking them down. They can't submit me. I'm like, ah, eh, I don't need this. I was thinking like, oh, I'm okay. And I remember there was this real skinny guy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think his name was Chris. And um, little guy, he's like 140 pounds, real lanky. And he was on a, a belt, a blue belt, which is a, a step above a white belt. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm going to muscle this guy. I was like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, you want to roll? I'm like, yeah, okay, man. Let's go. This guy choked me like six or seven times. <laughs> I mean, in five minutes, he just, I mean, I, I couldn't stop him. Yeah. And so I was like, I need to do this. If this little skinny dude can work me over that way, this is something I need to learn. So, okay. So I want you to talk about that a little bit. So yeah. talk about the the jujitsu as the art form itself, yeah. the martial art form itself and why it's such a, cause you know, with the, with the advent of, or the popularity of the UFC and MMA coming to play, mm-hmm. you see, you know, it's not like jujitsu just started. It's been around for a long yeah, time, it's but its popularity exploded after the UFC and, or after the UFC started. Mm-hmm. And from an outsider's point of view, it looked like that the reason that that happened is because it didn't matter what other martial art you did, kickboxing, Muay Thai, you know, uh, straight, you know, regular old fashioned boxing, the winners for UFC in the beginning were all you were all jujitsu guys. Well, yeah, that's how this, but that's also, uh, there was a little bias in the beginning of the UFC too, Okay, because the Gracie family actually started the UFC. Ah, and so they kind of, gotcha. you, there's a couple of, of good little documentaries you can watch where they kind of set it up for their guy to win. Gotcha. gotcha like they gotcha. kind of match made him right. which, uh, to, to win it all. It's okay. It exploded. It brought it over to the U S sure. the cat was out of the bag. Everybody knew that like jujitsu was the way to go. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the reasons it became so popular 
was because it allowed for somebody who's not super yeah, athletic. That's what I mean. Who's yeah. not like, uh, you know, strong or, or big or whatever. They could use leverage and technique to defeat a larger opponent. Right. Or to defeat somebody who's a little bit faster, a little bit stronger than them. Right. And so it became, once the cat got out of the bag and everybody started training jujitsu, now you've got like super athletes who are sure. training jujitsu. So yes. like, okay, well, you're a super athlete and you have this technique. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, now it it's tough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, now you have to like, especially, you know, fighters who are training, um, to go fight or to compete, you know, mm -hmm. they have to train jujitsu right. only because they need to know the basics or else right. they're going to lose. Cause they know, get taken down and you yeah, can't get, get out caught in something. Yeah. So yeah. what is it about jujitsu specifically that makes it to where a, a bigger person can't, or a smaller person can take down a bigger person? Or yeah. in this case, you know, obviously we're, I'm trying to relate this to some degree to, to real estate yeah. and, you know. I don't know the exact statistic, but the vast majority of realtors are women, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So you're talking about um, a, a woman in a situation or even a smaller guy that would go into, say, an open house by themselves. You know, they're there often alone and, you know, people, bigger people are coming and going all the time. And there's a sense of I'm, I'm, I don't have control in this environment. If, if anything were to really go down, you know, I'm in a situation the agent is in that situation where they may not be able to defend themselves, mm -hmm. but jujitsu mm -hmm. for reasons you'll explain, um, is, is an art form that you can actually learn and be able to handle yourself in those situations. Even when you do have someone that's out, you know, that's bigger than you and stronger than you. Um, if they don't have the same type of training, then you can have the upper hand in that situation. Right. Well, I think jujitsu just allows you to get uh, what we call above the Joe line a little faster. Okay, above the Joe. Line. So we call the the Joe like line is Joe? like the average Joe. Okay. So the the and it's the fighting prowess prowess of the average Joe. Gotcha. And so when about six to eight months of training, like consistently in like jujitsu, you can get above the Joe line. Gotcha. To where you're you know a little bit more than the average person, because um, it doesn't really matter what martial art you're training as long as they're. Uh, is there's a live sparring component to it. Right. So you're actually able to pressure test your techniques because right. there's a couple legitimate martial arts and, and the, the, you can really tell the difference between something that's very legitimate and something that's kind of like a little bit of some bullshit, like a little bit of BS. Right. And that's that there, um, there's no live sparring component to like those BS martial arts. Right. Like if you're, you don't want to say what the BS martial yeah. arts are. Well, I'm, no, I'm just, there are some out there, but, and, um, and it's debatable. Some people are like, sure. oh man, don't talk Well, about I mean, karate's stuff, picked but, on a lot, right? Because yeah. a lot of the karate, you know, the actually karate, the, yeah. that, that art is, is a lot of, um, what do they call it? Where you're just, um, kata. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just doing, but there's actually a, a very like tough, like there's, there's some like portions of karate that are very credible where they're doing full contact they're you know they're sparring on a regular basis yeah. and again that's that's the difference if you go to a gym and you're like i'm looking to really learn to defend myself or i'm looking to really have confidence walking around to where i could i could handle myself in a situation right you have to look at like are they live sparring right. are they pressure testing their techniques and this is one of the reasons why it's who um, some forms of karate, judo are very popular for those like like people who are looking for self-defense or right. looking to handle themselves because I'm testing this against someone who is 100% resisting me. Right. So again, we're learning a technique and like, okay, I'm not just going to learn learn the technique and then practice it over and over By again. myself. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to punch a board or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm practicing this combination or I'm this joint lock or this choke or whatever against somebody who is 100% resisting trying or to, you know, 
And so I'm able to employ that technique against somebody who's. So how would you, if someone came to you and, and had no idea what jujitsu was, this is, I've never heard of this. What is this thing? How would you describe it to them, especially in the, in the nature of self-defense? So if you had an agent that came to you and said, Hey, Manny, I really want to learn how to defend myself with jujitsu, but I, what is it? I don't understand. Like you, you talk to me like I'm three years old. How would you explain it to somebody? Okay. And cause I work with very young kids every yeah, day. So, yeah. uh, the best way I can always describe it is jujitsu to me, in my opinion, is the best form of self-defense because okay. we have to establish what self-defense is before right. we talk about fighting and self-defense. There's two different things. Okay. Fighting is you and I both make a conscious decision. We're going to stand here or we're going to, we're going to engage in mutual combat. Right. You know, we're going to fight. Right. Self-defense is like the best form of self-defense is for me to get out of the situation. Correct. To run away. Right. So I have to defend myself when I can no longer run away. Right. When someone is holding me, grabbing me. And what's that? That's grappling. Gotcha. So if, if you're not allowing me to run away, um, and I know we just talked about it a few seconds ago, like um, a lot of women have those reservations about training. Mm -hmm. And we say like the, the industry is really dominated by women. Um, again, if something's going to happen, it's not going to be like, hey, from a distance. Yeah, it's not going to be like, hey, you over there, stand yeah, there. Like right. I'm going to come and attack you. Low. It's, it's going to be a pretty violent situation. First, they're going to grab you. Yeah. And you have to learn, you have to know, you know, how to work those grips, how to use your underhooks, how to use leverage, how to use your body weight. Um, all and you don't have things. time to think in those situations. Yes. Your body just has to react. You right? have, your body just yeah. has to do it. Right. Um, so if you're not consistent, consistency is one of the main things, whether in your training, Muay Thai, boxing, wrestling, jujitsu, any of those, uh, consistency and then the live sparring component. Right. I'm practicing every day, making sure my technique works. I'm pressure testing my technique. Well, with the live sparring, from what I understand too, again, being an idiot in most of this, but um, it's a little different than say if I was, we were boxing, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm boxing with you, um, I got a, you know, head, head gear on um, and boxing, I'm still getting knocked around a little bit, but yeah. you know, maybe not quite to the extent because you're kind of just sparring a little bit. And maybe you're going 85%, right? Or 75%. That's a little high for boxing. Right. Okay. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah. yeah well, even less than that. Yeah, you should go about 50, 60. Yeah, right. So you're trying to keep yeah. it low. So you're not giving each other concussions and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Um, but with jujitsu, I mean, you're, you're trying to get submissions. So mm -hmm. you're ultimately, you're going as hard as you can go for the most yes. part, right? Cause you're taking someone to the point of submission essentially yes. and then letting them tap out and then it's over with as opposed to taking them down. Yes. So you can, you can test the technique and then I can safely tap my opponent or tap right. my partner and let them know, okay, I, the technique works. Right. And so you can, and, um, it happens too. like, you might tap too late and somebody might go to sleep or somebody might. And, but the good thing is you just wake up and yeah. you're fine. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, okay. I, I, I missed the tap. My right. bad. Um, <laughs> I tried to hold yeah. on a little too long. Whoops. Yeah. It happens quite a bit. Oh, does it really? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, wow. Cause everybody, it always feels they don't like don't want to give up. Out. Well, it always feels like you, you're just about to slip out. You're right. just about, cause I've been put to sleep a few times. Okay. Too. Okay. And so every time you get put to sleep, you always feel like, uh, you're just about to escape. I'm just about to slip my head out. And then you wake up. Yes. And, uh, I remember once actually, uh, uh, somebody had a collar choke on me and I was turning, turning. And I remember my head's, I was like, my head's going to pop out any second now. And I turned to them. I, I escaped. And then I explained like, Hey, you really need to pinch your elbow down. Uh, when you're, when you're, you know, putting that choke on, it would help yeah. out to, you know, keep me in there. And then I woke up and <laughs> I had a whole dream, had about, dream about telling them how to fix it. Yeah. I was it. like, like dang, oh, yeah. damn, you got me. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it's really safe in that, in that we can go yeah. like, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. We can go full speed. And then if you're, once you're caught in a submission or one of the techniques, you can just acknowledge that it works 
and we start over. Is it true that, you know, and I don't, again, knowing very little about this, but there are certain techniques, certain holds, grips, whatever you want to call them, that well, let's call them the basics. You know, there's a few basic ones that you can do. And when you have somebody that's starting off, that's brand new, you kind of drill those just over and over and over and over again, because mm-hmm. if it's a self-defense situation, like we just said a minute ago, um, you don't have time to think where you can, well, okay, well, if I do this, but like it, yeah. your body just has to react to a certain extent and it can't react unless you drill it over and over and over again. Yes. Is that a fair statement? So, This is one of the misconceptions that normal people have. People who have no idea what martial arts are, they've never trained. Um, They always, you know, they have that Dunning-Kruger effect where they overestimate their ability. Right. They think like, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Right. We never rise to the occasion. We fall to our lowest level of training. Right. So even if now, like if I got into a situation where I had to use some, you know, some of my techniques, some of the skill that I learned. Yeah. I would use the very basic stuff. I'd probably just go like basic double leg takedown, go to the mount, do something super simple that right. I've drilled like a million times. Right. It would be the very basics. Yeah. Um, so again, you're gonna fall to your lowest level of training. And for most people, that training is zero. Right. Yes. So yeah. they go they fall <laughs> no into idea. flailing their arms yes. and screaming or whatever, or right. they're swinging for the fences, throwing big haymakers. Mm-hmm. And um throws your balance all yeah, off. Yeah, so that's you what I'm saying. You fall to positions. that lowest level. Well, there's a, have you ever read the book? There's a book called Atomic Habits. Have you ever read that? No. <laughs> so one of the, and I don't think he came up with it. It came from somebody else, but there's a, there's a saying in the book, you know, that he references many times that people don't achieve, don't reach to, or uh, have the success to the level of their goals. They fail to the level of their systems. Essentially mm-hmm. that you fall, when you put in a process and a, and a system in place that you, um, that you use on a daily basis, as long as you're good at that system, you'll, you'll always maintain that. But, yeah. but uh, to achieve this higher level, it's not, it's like you can wish and dream for it, but you have to create systems and planning to build you to that point because you're always going to fail to the level of your systems. Yes. You know, it's the same, <clears throat> same concept is we all think, like you said, we're, oh no, if I was in that situation, you know, I see red. that's right. But I'm your adrenaline gets yeah. going, your brain's not functioning. Like mm-hmm. I don't, people that have never been, I mean, you've been in combat situations for real and you know, when you were in Iraq. And so when you have people that have never even heard a gunfire, you know, go off or been in a fight in their life and they think in their mind, they're going to turn into Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. You know, it ain't going to work out like that. That's, and that's, again, a lot of people over, they think like, I'm going to have time to think. You're not going to have time to think your body, either you're, you're trained or you're untrained. Right. So either your body's going to react or you're, it's not. Right. And so the only thing that matters, and a, a lot of times, and us as agents, we, have to go and uh, I remember going into open houses or whatever by myself and that's cool, whatever. Um, but also there's been a couple of times where I didn't have to use anything, but it was a little bit, my, my gut told me something was off or yes. like, there was almost something like, man, I feel something's off or the, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. Like something's going on. Yeah. Um, and I remember like I, I met a, a client one night about eight thirty. It was like in the winter time. So it was dark. It was supposed to be a vacant house. And I remember opening the door and turning the light on and there's a guy standing in the kitchen looking at me you know in a in a wife beater a muscle shirt and um of course i i conceal carry as well so right. I, I carry a gun everywhere i'm right. and so i'm like i we just stood there looking at each other and i'm like <laughs> you supposed to be here and he was like oh i'm so and so i'm related to the seller sure so i called the agent and was like hey this guy's here and they called me back and it's like okay that is okay but i remember thinking like but you never know. Oh, oh yeah. Oh snap. Something yeah. like, who's this guy? Like yeah. standing there and he was a big dude. And yeah. Cause then he's just standing there like in his boxers and a wife beater in the kitchen looking at me. And I'm like, 
All right. Well, uh, let, let's, let's get this sorted out. Um, again, so, but I was confident in that, in that situation. I right. was like, my body immediately started. Like, I remember thinking like, I grabbed my jacket. I grabbed the end of my jacket. Cause I was thinking like, okay, well, if I got to you know, draw my gun, yeah, then I'm, then I'm going to have to, you know, swing my jacket back or whatever. Um, luckily, of course, I just said, Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. What's up with you? Which yeah. is usually the best way out of any situation yes. is to verbally like, Hey, you know, let's solve this by with words. <laughs> well, like I I've heard before in, uh, you know, when it comes to even, even somebody that's training in say they're, they're trained in jujitsu, there's always somebody better. Right. And so it's, it's like this, you even get to some extent that you were telling a story earlier about how, before we went on, on, on air about how, uh, you were, or maybe I guess you just said it when you were a white belt, you went into to spar and yeah. then you went up against a skinny guy as a blue yeah. belt. And he kicked your butt. He worked me over. Yeah. yeah. And so you may have a little bit of training and understanding of what to do, but especially nowadays, you know, you don't know what you're going up against. If someone decides they want to pop off, they might be a black belt and they're about to t take yeah. you down. You have no idea. And, um, you never know what anybody is capable of. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying that everybody has to go out there and become Jason Bourne. Like you don't need to go out there and, and but you need to be capable of, of escaping of, right. Yeah. Of, yeah. of violence. Yeah. Basically you yeah. have to be capable of, of committing a little bit of violence in your own defense. Yes. Cause those who are capable of violence will always be subjected to those who are not correct. Are sub those who are not capable of violence will always be subject to those who are, they, um, they, there's another, uh, is it Sun Tzu? I think it's a, book that i read one and it's it's the art of war yeah okay. where it's the um you want to be you'd rather be a you don't want to be a gardener in a war you want to be a warrior in a garden yes you know yes. essentially saying that like i have the ability to do these things but i'm not i don't need to. i don't need to yeah. right versus getting into the situation and yeah. not having those tools and there's like i said there, even doesn't matter if you because most people i recommend like carry a gun yeah but don't carry a gun and then just think like, oh, I'm going to go to my gun if I have to. Like it's a last resort. Well, most people, that's how they think. They if they carry a little gun, they're going to think like, well, I'm going to have my gun. I have my gun. We used to have a saying. So I was teaching um, the combatives program. I was an instructor for like two years before I got out of the army. Okay, I was teaching down at Fort Hood, and one of the sayings, and I remember our head instructor um, used to always tell us like, if there's two people in a room and you have a gun and the other person has training. The person with the training is going to end up with the gun. Right. I was like, so that, that's just the, <laughs> that's the true. fact yes. of the matter. Yes. Um, so pe most people will carry, like, they'll conceal carry a pistol and they'll think like, well, if anything happens, I'm just going to pull out my pistol. Well, listen, I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. And I know the concept of leverage. Yep. And so I'm going to take that gun if I wanted it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to carry, like, that's cool, but go to the range every right. month and go, you know, go, go get accurate with that gun or practice drawing from your holster or, right. or you know align your hobbies with your survival right because you the only thing that's going to matter if you ever put in that situation where you know you have to defend yourself or you have to defend your family nothing's going to matter at that moment except for how well prepared you are right how much preparation went into that moment right. and look if nothing ever happens you go to Great. you go to your grave awesome yeah i then i guess what i had a cool hobby yeah yeah i yeah. spent my life you know yeah. i had a little bit of practice yeah. I'm proficient yeah something i can pass on and but if that that time comes you're ready nothing's gonna matter right. nothing else is gonna matter except yeah. for how well prepared you are so when you start training people um that come in brand new whether it be you know even like younger kids and and mm -hmm. women specifically too um what where do you kind of start like what's the what's yeah. the basis for where you start 
the basis is learning um, the positions, like okay. so positional grappling, like what is the dominant position, what is a non-dominant position, okay. uh, what is a terrible place to be stuck. Right. So I always normally start with like how to escape the mount. And so the mount Someone has your back, basically? Uh, no, the mount is described like you're laying, let's say you're on the ground okay. and someone's sitting on your chest. Okay. And so with their knees like- I'll hold you down. Yeah, right. they're holding you down. And this is one of the, like the worst positions to be in. Right. Of course, because I can throw punches, I can right. you know choke you, whatever. And so that's normally, if somebody's brand new and they're looking to start, like I want to learn to defend myself, I'll normally teach them how to escape the mount. Okay. Like, okay, why? Because again, first line of self-defense, run away. Right. And I was like, that's the best self-defense we can. And we're, we're, again, we're distinguishing self-defense between fighting. Okay. Self de self-defense, I always want to run away. Right. You're just trying to get yeah. away from the situation. Yeah. I don't want to do be there. there? Yeah. Right. Um, but if I get, again, we get into a tussle, somebody gets on top, I need to know how to get out from underneath them right. and then run away. <laughs> so w obviously when you're teaching this, you're describing this, you're showing this on the mat and that's, that's, mm -hmm. you know, this is a hard place to do that. But how would you with words describe how somebody would get out of that? Uh, well, the concept is to take away a post or to take away posts. Um, so normally when we're, we're going to roll away from somebody, they're going to post out with their arm or their leg to keep you from rolling them. Okay. So when you can trap an arm and a leg and then you roll that direction, you take away their ability to post. And then you, once, once you can get on top, then it's your ability to press, get create and distance go. and get away. Gotcha. And so in, in, um, teaching combatives, I have that unique experience where I was able to teach that combatives, that modern army combatives to soldiers. Yeah. Um, and also go take that into jujitsu. So a lot of the combatives program is, is focused on creating distance because in the, in the army and as soldiers, we're taught to use our primary weapon first. Mm -hmm. So we're using a rifle or our secondary weapon, which could be a pistol, could be a knife, could be whatever. Um, so combatives mainly focuses in the beginning and then those very, very beginners levels, like the, the, the basics, they teach you to create distance to get back to, to get to a primary weapon. Gotcha. And so one thing I recommend for like, uh, especially people who decide to conceal carry is that they learn how to create distance first. Okay. Cause I never want to show my cards until I have to, like, I never want to show You don't want them something. to know that you have a gun yes. until you're enough separation that you can use I'm it. I'm able to use it. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be in get, oh, I'm about to get my gun while you're grabbing me. Yeah. Cause like you said, if they're faster, better, whatever, they're going to take it from you anyway. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, I know that was one of the concepts that we, we really, um, we, we really drilled into their head was create distance first. So mm -hmm. where there's a lot of pummeling, we were always using like, and I always used to tell people, and I still say this the other day, I said, actually said this to my kids class. I was like, cause for some reason we, as people, as, as natural, we always grab people's heads. You always see a headlock. Right. Every time you watch, just Google any, or YouTube, any street fight, you're going to see someone throw on a headlock. Hey, the, yeah. a big text, Nolan Ryan. That's yeah. how you beat the crap and out of so, Ventura, right? And, <laughs> I, I tell, I tell, you know, people all the time, if I can just use an underhook, if I can just put my arm underneath your armpit, as opposed to going to the head, I can almost double my fighting prowess. If I can just learn to do that every time, instead of grabbing the head, I go underneath the armpit. Cause then I can use, I can drive your shoulder line. I can get you off, right. off balance. Then you can almost double your fighting prowess. And you're right kind there. of taking away a limb too. That could be coming at you yeah. for whatever reason. I guess. And, and so, and I, I know I've done this a couple of times. I, I did actually did, um, a seminar with like the Cedar Hill police one time where I was showing them like you, you take that underhook on the same side. I'm not only am I taking your shoulders off your center line, but I'm also protecting my gun side, like where I'm wearing my pistol. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm here, I'm turning to you so you can no longer reach for my pistol. If I, you know, if I had to create gotcha. distance from there, yeah. I'm just going to push you off, get your shoulders off center line. 
of course, this stuff is not something. And another huge misconception is that people take these seminars, like I'm going to take a self-defense seminar. Right. And you may learn a, a good technique, one or two good techniques. But if you're not practicing, practicing that consistently, yeah. you're not going to remember. Yeah. Like you're, it's going to be a flash because the way things happen, the way incidents happen, violence happens very fast mm -hmm. and it ends very fast. Mm -hmm. It's very quickly mm -hmm. um, or very quick. Um, so in that moment, in that instant, your body has to react because um, it's going to be, it's going to happen and it's going to end just like that. Right. As quickly, as quickly as a gunshot, you right. know, that it's over. Well, and you know, I think the, the, the thing about this too is, you know, we're talking about it from the point of view of self-defense obviously, but um, you know, it's great exercise as well, yeah. because when you, when you put that much effort forth, when you're rolling on a regular basis, mm -hmm. once or two or three times a week, however many, how often you do it, um, it's a great way to keep in shape as well. And it's like, if I can develop a skill that's going to keep me you know, healthy and yeah. I'm going to develop a skill that's going to save me in a time of need. Yeah. Well, it seems like a pretty good little marriage of, <laughs> of activities to do. Right. But it's also uh, a huge blow to your ego. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that, so, and I've been on a philosophy kick the last couple of years. I love so, it. so one of my favorite things is like, uh, uh, Miyamoto Masashi, like the guy, and he's the best swordsman, you know, recorded as the best swordsman ever in Japan, wrote the book of five rings, five rings. Yep. Um, one things that he says about martial arts is when they're trained, you train martial arts properly, they get to carry over into every other facet of your life. That's the, uh, once you, s once you know the way generally you see it in all things. Yes. Is that the, the, yeah. the quote? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that practice like every day and then you're showing up like you're you're training um like that carries over so i always say like when you're when you're fighting or you're you're grappling you're sparring whatever it's almost like and i said this the other day it's life summed up in within three to five minutes because in that whole little scuffle i mean you're going through emotions right. you're getting your ego checked yeah um you know i mean most people who 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 are they overestimate their ability or they really think they're over they're they're um they've never been humbled right and so they've never been beaten up and be like dang there's nothing i can do right um and so that's one of the benefits also of jujitsu is that you're never an expert right there's always somebody even if they just have your number they just yes. know exactly what you're gonna do they just or they pair up with you perfectly right there's always going to be somebody who's just a little bit better than you. And you're physically reminded of it when you go in and do yes. it too, because you get submitted. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not just something that's a, uh, it's a fictional thing. Oh yeah. There's always, yeah. you know, cause we sit all the time with kids, uh, you know, no matter how hard you practice, there's always going to be somebody better than you. So yeah. just know that. And, but they never, they don't always get to experience that. But if you roll on a regular basis and you go to these gyms, wherever that may be, then uh, you're going to experience that because someone is going to submit you yeah. when you're in the gym. Be humble or get humbled. Right. And so that's it. They, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, um, and we, we were talking about exercise a second ago, like um, marrying the two between exercise and learning a skill. One yeah. of the things about the exercise portion of that is I always say like, Getting fit is kind of like an after effect. That's just kind of like an added benefit. Right. You're trying to survive. Yeah. <laughs> Learning the skill is most like mm -hmm. what you is the uh, biggest benefit to it. Um, but as you get better, you get less fit. Right. And so I, I say that because the, the better you get at controlling somebody, the less I'm having to work. Gotcha. So there's a stereotype of like in the jujitsu community of like the fat brown belt. Right. You know, brown belt's like the belt right before you get to black belt. Right, right. And so they say the fat brown belt because uh, brown belts aren't working very hard. Right. They're putting people on their back and then they're resting and then they're like controlling. They know exactly where you're, what you're going right. to do. They've been training for so long, you know, because I think, um you know, black belt, you're eight to 10 years. So right, right. around brown belt, you should be training like six, seven 
eight years. So you're very experienced. So you're going with these beginners and you're putting them on their back and you're just kind of like, you're resting, you're hanging out. You're not working as hard as you were right. when you were a white belt or a blue belt. Because you've, you've done, done this before. Spirals. You've been yeah. down the road, yeah. So that there's a stereotype with that fat brown belt. We're like, okay, well, now the better I get at jujitsu, yeah. the more I have to work outside of the gym. Now I have to start running or I got to start lifting weights or I got to start doing something because I'm not working as hard as I was. Well, I've heard it compared to like chess where yeah. you're, you're in a situation to where, you know, I, I would guess, I don't know, but I would think that somebody that's inexperienced in that kind of, you know, hand to hand combat is probably going to do the same. Like people are going to generally do the same type of things, whatever yeah. those things are, they're going to react in a similar way, not always yeah. the same, but in a similar way. So if you expect, if I grab them here, they're probably going to do this. And if yeah. I grab them here, then they're probably going to do that. Yeah. You're kind of anticipating moves as you go through, you say, well, I'm going to go here and then they're going to do that. And then I'm going to go here and then I got them yes. right. And there's kind of like a, a like a step-by-step because you've done it so many times, your body's just like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. He's going to put his arm there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab him there and turn him over or whatever. Yeah. Right? It's very, str very strategic. Right. Like, it is. It, it, I always say it's like speed chess. Mm -hmm. We're moving back and forth, back and forth. I know, you know, where you're going to roll, which weight, which direction. Um, and also controlling your weight, like <clears throat> understanding where I'm placing my weight. Uh, this is one thing I explain, especially I had a, a smaller female who used to train with me. She was like 110 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I would like, Hey, Listen, if I pick up a 110 pound dumbbell, that joker is heavy. Like you go pick up a 110 pound dumbbell in the yeah. gym. I was like, so what you need to do is take all of your weight and focus it in one location. Gotcha. I was like, cause then even then, uh, and there's one guy who trains with me in the morning. He's a huge, big guy. He's like 300 something pounds. Um, and I always tell him like, man, once you learn how to focus that weight, you're going to crush people. Right. Cause right now when you're that big, you're so used to carrying your own weight. You're not trying to lay on people or crush right. them. I was like, but once you learn how to focus, you put all of your weight in one central location, you can crush people with 120 pounds, 150 pounds, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm like 165. And I, I always try to imagine like putting all of my weight in, in one fingertip. Right. And that's how I try to grapple, like put all of my weight down or center it around one point, one point of their body. <clears throat> so if anybody was starting off training, um, what, what do you think it takes? Like how many days a week, how often, um, like what does the process look like to get to where you could be, let's just call it somewhat proficient, not, not an yeah. expert, but just enough, like in, in a couple of moves that have just like, okay, I know how to do yeah. these two things. So if anybody ever grabbed me, yeah. I can at least do that above the Joe line, above the Joe line. Above the yes. Joe line. Yes. So I would say three times a week, um, for about six to eight months. Okay. And then you'll start to see, I'm not going to say you're going to be above the Joe line, right. but you'll start to see the difference. You'll see the split. We're like, okay, I'm understanding like, at that point, you understand leverage. Right. Like, okay, I understand that I need to put my arm somewhere. And so there's a huge difference between somebody who has no training mm -hmm. and somebody who has a little training, eight months to a year of training. Right. Because again, th at that point, they're starting to understand leverage. They're under starting to understand how to manipulate their own body weight yeah. or, or move somebody else's body weight, use momentum to their advantage. Um, well, it's similar. I tell realtors all the time <laughs> that start off brand new because they have, you have this, uh, as a new agent, even a new loan officer, some people have what they call imposter syndrome where mm -hmm. you know some stuff, but you don't feel like you're an expert. So mm -hmm. you, you have this insecurity about talking about it, you know, and I always tell them like, look, you know, even if you've only been doing real estate for six months, you know, a thousand percent more than the average person. You're way above the Joe line. You're way above, you're the, Joe way line, above right? the Joe line. So same, yeah. same situation, right? And actually, uh, it's helped me a lot 
jujitsu has helped me a lot in real estate because I was training. Um, let me see, when did I start training? Four years before I started getting, before I, you know, got my license, mm -hmm. before I got out of the army. Um, and so trusting the process is a huge part of real estate because, you know, those who just get into it, just get into the business, they understand like, okay, I'm not receiving a paycheck. Yes. Um, um, there's no guarantee. Right. I'm kind of working through this, like. I'm blind. I'm in the wind. There's not really a whole lot of mentorship unless you find the right people. You know, you got to connect yourself to the right people. Um, and real and jujitsu helped me just because I'm like, I, I trust the process. I know that there's like, even if I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, yep. I trust the process. So I know if I show up every day and I make some phone calls or I know if I try to meet the right people, it works it, out. Yeah. It, it's going to work out. Same yeah. thing with, with that. <clears throat> when you start jujitsu and you're a white belt and you have no idea what you're doing, like, yeah. I got to trust the process. I got to show up to practice. I got to do my little hip escapes, my little drills. I got to practice. I got to find a couple of moves that I like. Mm -hmm. I got to trust the process and keep practicing because every day it's going to, you know, it's going to work out eventually. Yeah. And so that, that helped me in, in jujitsu or in real estate. I was like, okay, got to trust the process. Got to show up to the office. Got to make a phone call. Got to, you know. I think everybody online. experiences that to some extent when they're young. And this is the problem with being young. When you know, and you realize as you get older, like ah, I was an idiot back then. But, you know, I'd always had this problem of doing things. And I'd see somebody doing a job or see somebody running a business. And I'd be like, oh, I could do that. And I could do that. And, you know, like, eh, like that doesn't seem that hard. You could get in there and do that right away. But the further along in life you get and the more experiences you have with different things, you start to realize that it takes years for anything for you to be really good at it. Yeah. And, you know, if you try to dabble in this and dabble in that and dabble in this, and it's, you know, it's kind of the jack of all trades, master of none, but, but the idea is like, no matter what the activity is, whether it's real estate or jujitsu or mortgages or whatever, you have to put time and effort into the process and develop a system in order to have success at it because you're not going to have success at it right out of the gate. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. Or you may, but it would be limited success and, yeah. or it's, or it's not real and it's not sustained and anything that you're going to do is going to take time and you can't become an expert at something right away, which is why a lot of times you kind of have to narrow your focus to things that you, if you're in real estate, be in real estate, learn everything there is to know about that. If you're in, you know, if you're going to be a, if you're going to run a gym, you know, you can do that as well. But once you start getting to four and five and six other things that you're trying to be, you know, the best at, there's just not enough time in the day or hours in the day to do that. Mm -hmm. And actually one of the um, ways to help with that is to relate everything to some things you already know. You're right. Yeah. So like, and, and again, like jujitsu helped me in real estate where I was like, okay, got to trust the process. Yep. I know I got to drill every day. So I was saying like, I know I am drilling my positional drills every day or I'm drilling these submissions every day. So I kind of took that over into real estate. Like what's my drill? Right. What am I drilling? Right. Like, okay, until today I'm going to focus on phone on, you know, calling internet prospects. Right. Um, and then the next week, maybe I'm going to focus on scheduling getting the word out, scheduling, doing something yeah. or like, yeah, go working an open house or like, yeah. what's the process? How this? does that look like when I go to the open house? What yeah. do I need to do? That's yeah. the backwards planning, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be there. People are going to come in. I need to have a, have a place to sign in or get mm -hmm. their information. Yep. I need to be able to talk about this particular house and what the features yeah. are. So I need to know what it is. So I need yep. to go look at it first, figure all that out. And then when you get there, that's the live sparring portion. Right. Now right. I'm sparring. Now right. I'm not, this is live now. Right. Because uh, <laughs> people are coming somebody, in. Now yeah, I got to know so what I'm, I'm saying. I'm in front of somebody and yes. I got to, and that imposter syndrome still comes, still comes up. I feel like um, no matter how much of an expert you are, yeah. 
you're always going to suffer or deal with that imposter syndrome. Well, but I think that's good. Um, I yeah. think that, you know, the, the idea that anybody knows everything about anything is mm -hmm. crazy, right? I mean, there's always room for improvement. There's always yeah. stuff that you can learn at a deeper level. And to ever get to the point, you know, I've been doing mortgages for 12 years and, um, I feel like I do pretty well at it, but there are still plenty of things that somebody will call me and ask me a question and I'll, in my head, I'm like, yeah, well, this is the answer. But then the other part of my head goes, well, wait, hang on. Are you sure? Like, are you sure that's the answer? Because you you thought this other thing was the answer last week and it yeah. wasn't. So I'm like, uh, let, let me double check on that. And like, I even tell my kids all the time is if anybody ever says to you, oh, this is absolutely what you got to do. And this is absolutely like, don't listen to that person. Double check. Double yeah, check. Go double check. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Yeah, that that imposter syndrome is is uh, it still comes up even after you've had experience. Like again, jujitsu and real estate are like one in one for me. I'm yeah. always thinking like how I can carry one over into the other because yes. I learn from both. Yeah, and um, that to this day I'm still I'll be teaching a class and I'm like I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. Like what am I doing? Like what am I doing? Why yeah. am I teaching this? This yeah. is so dumb. I'm yeah. so stupid. Um, so the other thing, so I, I mentioned Dunning Kruger a little earlier, like the Dunning Kruger effect and. There's two sides to that. I watch this entire video. I get into these rabbit holes sometimes where I watch these psychology videos yeah. or whatever. Uh, so the Dunning-Kruger effect, for those who don't know, it's um, when somebody like they assume that they're way more competent than they actually are because they've okay. seen a couple of videos. Let's say I've seen a couple of videos or I've watched some UFC fights. Yeah, I've watched or, fights. I know or, what they do. Or my, you know, my, my, you know. My sister's best friend's, you know, cousin or whatever right. bought a house and they told me how it went. So I know exactly how the process works. Yeah. So they assume that they're very competent in that field. Well, the other side, the flip side to that is that those who are incredibly skilled at something, they underestimate their competence. Yes. They always think that like, oh man, I'm, I'm, they overestimate, they think everybody else has the same knowledge that they have. Yes. And so they underestimate their competence. Yes. And so there's two sides to that Dunning-Kruger effect. And so that, that's where that imposter syndrome comes a lot, uh, comes in a lot. A lot of times we, we forget the, most of the knowledge that we even have because we assume that everybody knows it. You know, right. Like, if I know it, yeah. then everybody else must understand. Yeah. It as like well. if, yeah. if I get to for me, like if I'm teaching back control and I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to back control, I'm trapping the hand and I'm going here, I'm attacking the choke and then I'm pointing my elbows down, whatever. And then, and then I look and people are like, they're Wait, staring at me. Slow like down? You do that again? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you don't know. It's like, so let me look, this is my foot. This right. is where I'm going to, I think helping or, or um, teaching children, like very yeah. young children has helped me a whole lot in teaching in general. I always, yeah. always, always, always advocate, um, to my kids. Like one of the things I'm trying to get my daughter, she's 15 years old right now. And mm -hmm. she's, uh, she's a volleyball player and she's actually within the last year or so has, has gotten, pretty good and is getting, you know, maybe an option for her to play in college. We'll see, you know, you never know where, how that goes. But, um, but one of the things I'm telling her is like, you need to go to, you know, to a gym, to a volleyball club, and you need to figure out how you can coach. Mm -hmm. How can I find a younger group of kids to coach? Because when you understand the game at a level that you can explain it to a child mm -hmm. at their level, then, you know, then you really got it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the whole, and I think it's always been at, attributed to Albert Einstein, but I don't know if it actually came from him. Whereas if you can't explain it to a, you know, a five-year-old basically, then you don't really fully understand it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I think so critical in learning, you know, they have those different methods of learning where you, you listen, you write, you repeat, and then you teach, because if you can teach and you can explain your depth of knowledge gets so much greater than the you're so far above the mm -hmm. Joe line at that point that um, 
it's so much easier for you to then retain that knowledge and understand it to your core to where it's not even something you even have to think about. You just know it, it's right? It's ingrained in you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you teach something, you learn it twice. Correct. And so, and that's one thing that I've, I have the benefit of right now is teaching those very young children. Like I have five and six and seven year olds yeah. and I'm like, okay, look guys, our legs are going to go here. Right. I was like, and this look, watch my feet. Look where I put them. Yep. And like, I'm, I'm explaining it. And I feel like sometimes I'll be teaching adults and I'll get back into that kid mode and I'll be like, I realize, okay, they understand. Like, <laughs> they got it. They got it. No, well, but then you learn with kids too. Cause yeah. I, I taught kids for years. I taught, uh, coached all kinds of sports and, uh, ran a swim school for kids. So I've spent my whole life pretty much. But, um, what you find working with kids too, is that you will tell them something and you've said the right words. Like I explained this mm -hmm. and they're doing something completely different than what you said. And you're like, wait a minute how is this not clear? Like I, yeah. I said, here's what I want. And then you, so you have to go back to your, to your own mind and break down. Okay. What are they thinking about? What did I not say? Right. And then you got to try a bunch of different ways yeah. to explain the same thing. Right. And then you finally get to a point where it's like, Oh, okay. He understands it. But then you have this other kid and you tell him the same way. And then he doesn't understand it either. And you're like, ah, kids learn differently. They all they do. All learn differently. Yes. And some days you have to pick your battles. Yes. So you have to just be like, all right, well, look, you put your hand in the right place. Yeah. We're just going to call that a win for the it's day. It's like dealing with a buyer and seller, right? Like, yeah. That's it. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, managing expectations yes. is also, that was also great, um, care, like a carryover for me from jujitsu yeah. into real estate. Yep. Cause that's basically your job as yep. an agent. You're trying to, so somebody who has no idea how the transaction works. So it's cool every once in a while. I, I'm thankful for like a buyer or a seller who knows exactly what, how the transaction goes. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we bought four or five houses. Yeah. We know, we're, we know how much earnest money we want to put down. You know, we know what kind of loan we're using. We already have a loan officer we've used for yeah. whatever, or let's say, or, or maybe we do this, whatever. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I'm grateful for those transactions. Yeah. But the majority of them are people like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Anything. I have yeah. a 500 credit score and I have like $7 in the bank yeah. and I want to buy a house tomorrow. Right. Like I've been looking on Zillow and look, this is what I want. Yeah. Like, okay, well then let's start at square one. Right. Let's manage our expectations here. <laughs> That's right. And so I have to do that a lot, especially with those young, younger fighters or younger people who come in and they're like, I'm going to be a world champion. Yeah. I'm like, um, why don't we focus on learning how to, how to hip escape down right. the mat first? Right. Or why don't we like, let me show you how to tie your belt. First. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why don't Put we start your pants there? on one leg at a time. Let's manage our expectations yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And so that, that's a, another great carryover from, you know, from real estate into jujitsu and jujitsu into real estate. Like you man manage people's expectations. Like, and sometimes you have to tell them the hard truth. Yeah. Same thing with uh, a buyer or I, I experience it more with buyers than anything where you got to tell them the hard truth. And I also have to do that with sometimes with athletes where I'm like, yeah. Hey, listen, we're, we're not the most athletic. All right. You're not the most athletic person. Okay. Right. I'm just going to give it to you straight. All right. right? You right. know, you don't hit very hard. Right. So let's, let's work on something to your advantage. Let's right. try to find another strength. Right. And so the same thing with like a buyer, I'd be like, well, listen, you're not in the neighborhood that you want to be in. Okay. So <laughs> let's start looking outside of the, your area, like expand a little bit yeah, and see what we can maybe, do. Maybe settle for somewhere outside of the city or like a little further out or wherever. So what all do you at your, um, so tell everybody, uh, what your club's called, um, where it's located and then what you guys offer there. Um, and how, if you wanted to get started training, what that would look like. Okay. Uh, so it's Crusader Combat Club. Uh, we are located at the Tyler station in Oak Cliff, which is at 1300 south polk street um, we are suite 225 you can find us online crusadercombatclub.com okay. <clears throat> um in order to start training i always recommend people just show up for a class um i think that's 
little diff- difficult because I know a lot of people have those reservations about just coming in. Right. I've never I, done this before. I'm looking like a fool. I get those. Yeah. That's they're yep. scared to look like a fool. Look, yeah. We all look like a fool when yeah. we first start. We yeah. all look dumb. Yeah. Um, everybody was a white belt yeah. at one point. Yeah. And so, cause I get those online inquiries all the time and I call them, they're like, what do I need to do? And I'm like, just, I said, well, show. let me, let me ask what program. And then I said, just show up. And they're like, oh dang, <laughs> I thought there was going to be most of the time. Once you eliminate the obstacle, yeah, people who are not serious about it go, oh, well, I, I, I'm busy that day. Yes. Or of my kids yeah. are doing it. Like, yep. like there's no more obstacles. You no. just, just come in. You got to get there. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, dang. I thought it was going to be tougher. I thought it was, there's going to be like a form. I was going to have a reason. Or, oh, I couldn't because yeah, I wasn't ready. Yeah, uh, my shoulders messed up. Ah, there's, you know? there's a built in excuse. Like, instead oh, of I'm dang, just a wuss and I don't want to go. <laughs> so, yeah, once you eliminate those, just show up, just yeah. come into a class. You get a, you get a free week trial so they can come in for try all the classes for seven days. We offer Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, twice a day for adults. We have kids five to 12 years old. Um, kickboxing. We do kickboxing Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. We have wrestling Friday nights and mixed martial arts on Saturday. So MMA. Okay, <clears throat> cool. Um, how long have you had, how, how long have you been open now? Um, I, about eight months. Okay. Yeah. And like if someone gets a membership, about how much does that cost? Like if they're doing it, cause I would assume yeah. most gyms, like you do like a monthly membership, right? Yeah. It's a monthly membership. It's one twenty for the month. And okay. that includes, um, unlimited training. So they can attend all the classes they want for right. 120. And if they want to add like a family member, they can do that for like an additional hundred. They can throw their kids on. Let's say they want to train and they will have a kid they want to train. It'll be like 220 for them and their kid. Do you see people come in by themselves and then like the ones that like it, do they, do they start showing up with like bringing their kid and their friend? And normally what you see is you see a parent has their kid training uh-huh. and their parents is the parent is interested. Right. They're and like, they'll oh. be like, I'm going to come into an adult's class. Yeah. I tell, I tell dads this all the time. Yeah. I'm like, look, your son's training in five years. He's going to be 15. You're going to tell him, take the trash out. And he's going to say, or what dad? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, so you better get out of the mat. Dude. That's right. <laughs> he's going to take you down, bro. Yeah, you better be ready. Like, yeah. You better do those chores. You say, or what dad, what you going to do? Like, <laughs> like oh, that's right. I've been paying for these <laughs> lessons. You're going to kick my ass. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. You better get training. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, um, I really appreciate we're, we're an hour. We're already, uh, we already got to the time. So, um, I really appreciate you coming in, man. This yeah, was great information. Happy. And I hope anybody that, you know, gets all the way through this, you know, the, the key takeaway from all of this is that, you know, any realtor, whatever your position in life is, is that there are going to be, or there could be situations that come up to where mm-hmm. your physical, um, you know, presence is threatened, whatever that means. And it's never a bad thing to have knowledge on how to handle yourself should those situations ever arise, right? right. Be the be the warrior in the garden, not the gardener in the war. Mm-hmm. And you know, the more that that you have knowledge of this type of stuff and the benefit that you get, whether it be through mental, you know, um, toughness, through physical, uh, you know, you get your body into shape, but then also just be able to handle yourself when those situations come up. There's really not a downside to this, and and you know, I'm. I'm the biggest, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Pro- not proponent, but I, I do this stuff all the time, which is bad, which is I have ideas of things I want to do, but mm-hmm. then you never actually do them. And so the hard part about all of this stuff is you just got to go try, right? Yeah. You just just show, show up. up. Just show up. show up and it's easier said than done, but we all say, well, I don't have time. Well, everybody has time. We all have the same amount of time. It's just what you prioritize for your time. Absolutely. And you can put it towards that or you can put it towards playing call of duty, but, uh, <laughs> or, or, or watching desperate housewives, yeah. but 
those aren't going to get you uh, any real real benefits in life. So um, I really appreciate you stopping by. Um, anything else you want to say before we roll off? Nothing. No? Nothing. Okay. Stay hydrated. Yes. <laughs> Drink the, yeah. the gallon of water yeah. that Manny brought with him too. <laughs> well, thanks everybody that stuck around. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week and uh, y'all have a good weekend. Uh, Easter weekend, I guess, is coming up, right? Yep. Happy we'll Easter. see you guys.